Friends, I'm thrilled that we're joining together in worship in this moment. We are kicking off the Lent season, the season leading up to Easter with a brand new series called Crossing Canyons. Now, some of you know that I and six of my friends in the fall of 2020 physically crossed the Grand Canyon twice. We went out and back in one stretch, a remarkable journey. And that physical journey is a metaphor for the seven weeks that we're about to jump into today on crossing canyons, not just physical canyons, but the canyons in life that God is calling us to cross. I'm so thrilled for the season ahead. But right now, as we worship Jesus, would you know that you have a God that crossed the chasm of heaven to come to you, to rescue you, to redeem you? God is the original canyon crosser in his son, Jesus Christ. And so because of that, we worship him right now. In the fall of 2020, in the midst of a global pandemic, I and six of my friends attempted a double crossing of the Grand Canyon to raise awareness and money for Hope Heals camps for families with disabilities. However, we soon discovered that our canyon crossing became a metaphor for something so much bigger. We realized that we all have canyons to cross every day, not just physical, but relational and emotional and spiritual. Canyons between us and loved ones, between us and those people, between who we are today and who God longs for us to become. Having survived the 48-mile run that took just over 17 hours to complete, I've learned that there are seven steps we each can take to cross the canyons God wants us to cross in our lives. So friends, let's cross some canyons together. Well, friends, a very special day today as we kick off a brand new season, the Lent season, which is a season the church throughout history has celebrated in the days leading up to Easter Sunday. Typically, it starts on Ash Wednesday, and it is a length of 40 days, not including Sundays, because every Sunday is a resurrection Sunday leading up towards the great celebration that Jesus defeated death and invites us to be part of God's family. And as we go through this season together, we're gonna start today a seven-week sermon series called Crossing Canyons. Now, many of you who are part of our church family are also aware that we have Crossing Canyon Life Groups that are meeting during this season of time online, going deeper into the content that I'm teaching today. And as I teach each of these seven sermons over the next seven weeks leading up to Easter Sunday, you can join a group if you haven't already. In fact, you can go to our website, belair.org forward slash crossing canyons, either now or after the service, and join a group. It doesn't matter where you live, whether you're here locally in Los Angeles, whether you're in a different time zone, a different country, a different continent, we have a group for you. Now, kind of the origin, as you're beginning to understand of this sermon series, came from an actual canyon crossing that I and six friends accomplished in 2020. And you're going to hear more from me and from some of us who did that about what that experience was like. And as I was leading up to that experience, I began to realize just how daunting, how large, how massive this, this physical canyon crossing was going to be. And as I was preparing for it, as I was beginning to wrap my mind around it, as I was considering that I, like my friends, were also married, also dads, also people with full-time jobs and had great responsibilities, there was a level of risk that was involved to show up to this Canyon Crossing. And a lot of things go through your mind when you were considering massive things that you cross. And I feel like as I began to pray, as I began to ask God just for help in being in the mental space, the physical space, the cardiovascular space, to be able to cross that canyon twice, you know, there and back, 
48 miles, over 10,000 feet of elevation gain, burning upwards of seven to 10,000 calories. I, I prayed to God, but before God even brought me to that physical canyon, I feel like God started to communicate to me, not in an audible voice, but just this sense that I had that, that there's a deeper spiritual meaning in the journey that we were about to undertake. In fact, in the months leading up to it, as I began to physically prepare, I began to also pray just, God, how can you use this for your glory? And I began to realize that we all have canyons to cross. And they're not just physical canyons, but they're emotional canyons. They're relational canyons. They're spiritual canyons. And many of us, the problem is, as we go throughout life, having no clue that there's canyons that we need to cross or we've identified the wrong canyons to cross. In fact, some of us perhaps right now have no idea the chasm between us and a loved one. Some of us have no idea the gulf between us today and the person that God longs for us to become. Maybe even some of us have spent energy and time and resources spinning our wheels, spinning our, our minds, uh, spending our energy and finances towards accomplishing things, crossing things, attaining things. And then once we get to the other side, we get that thing, we get that relationship, we get that experience. We think, why did I do that? What a waste of time. What a waste of, of energy. And so what we're going to do in this sermon series over the course of seven weeks is we're going to first identify the type of canyons that God longs for you to cross. But also you're going to be equipped on how to cross those canyons, the canyons that God invites you into. And you're going to hear over the course of the seven weeks seven different principles, seven different stages, seven different steps that you can use in your own life to cross the canyons that God is calling you to cross. Now, you're also going to hear in our physical journey of that physical canyon crossing, these same steps. We had to first, we had to show up to the start. That's what we're going to get into today in today's sermon, how hard it is just to show up to the start Many people say that it's harder to show up to the starting line than it is to get to the finish line. A lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of things can prevent us from even showing up to the start in the first place. But in week two, we're gonna discover that we need to be willing to descend into the dark unknown. I can't wait for you to hear the stories of what we experience and how that can apply in your own life. Third, we have to be willing to get to the bottom of it you know, there's no bridge over the Grand Canyon. And we had to be willing to get to the bottom of that canyon in order to cross it. It's very tempting to stay at the surface, to stay superficial. To not risk whatever it might be to risk to cross the canyons that God calls us to cross. And often we never get to the bottom of things in those canyon crossings. Fourth, we're going to see in that fourth week how we have to be willing to, to go beyond our comfort zones. Oh, I got stories to tell you about what we experience, the hallucination, the disorientation, the aches, the pains, the blisters. I won't show you photographs of some of those things, but to tell you, we were way outside our comfort zone. And if we were going to cross canyons that God calls us to cross, we also have to be willing to, to go beyond our comfort zones. In that fifth week, we're going to discover that there's really a need to turn around at the right moment. I'm going to save what I'm going to share for that day. I'm not going to say any more about that, but really critical that we turn around at the right moment. And then we experienced retracing our steps with new eyes. We're going to explore that in the sixth week on Palm Sunday and then on Easter Sunday. Cannot wait. Set your calendars for April 1st. 
4th, April 4th. It's the first Sunday in April. And we'd love for you to join us not only online, but also in person as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And in that seventh week, we're gonna explore how we can come home transformed. I know I've come back and we as a group came back transformed from that physical canyon crossing. But it's also true in my own life and I know in others, when they've been willing to to not only show up, but go through the long journey that God calls them to, to cross the canyons that God calls them to cross, that their lives and others' lives are transformed as a result. All right, so step one. Some of you are taking notes. You've got a, a notepad in front of you. Maybe you've got another screen where you're taking notes. Week one, we're gonna talk about what it means to show up to the start. But before we talk about showing up to the start, we've got to take a step back and we've got to understand, identify what canyons are we supposed to cross? Again, I said at the outset that many of us have no idea that there are even canyons between us and loved ones, or we've identified the wrong canyons, or even in some cases, we think that other people's canyons that they need to cross are the canyons that we need to cross and we cross it for them. And what I want to do is I want to take a look at a remarkable story in scripture that actually spans a length of time. It spans multiple books of the Bible in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew scriptures. And we're gonna see how important it is to understand first and foremost, the canyon that God is calling us to cross. Second, to understand that when God calls us to cross a canyon, that God will equip us to cross that canyon. And third, that we have to have a courage, a willingness, a boldness, a humility, faith to show up to the start in the first place. So those three things all through this remarkable story that begins, in fact, in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. So I'm not gonna read the fullness of the story. I'm just gonna read the first verse and then I'm gonna share a little bit of the story and then I'm gonna come back to more verses. But let's, let's imagine ourselves in the middle of the wilderness. It's been two years since we've been liberated from Egypt under slavery, under the Pharaoh. Moses has been our leader. We experience the the plagues. We experience the crossing of the Red Sea. We experience the provision of manna from heaven. We've received God's law, the Ten Commandments. We've been reminded of our identity. We've been reminded of our purpose. We've already experienced all these different things. Then all of a sudden, two years in, God again shows up and speaks to Moses. And this is Numbers chapter 13, verse one. I'm reading out of the New Revised Standard Version as after I read, I'm gonna say, this is the reading of God's word. If you would respond wherever you are with thanks be to God. Numbers 13, verse one. The Lord said to Moses, send men to spy out the land of Canaan which I am giving to the Israelites. From each of their ancestral tribes, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. And as we say every week, thanks be to God. Okay, some of you are very familiar with this story. This this opening sentence is like the opening scene of a very significant stretch of a story that spans throughout a significant part of the, the Old Testament. This is the moment where God says to Moses, okay, we're in the desert. It's been two years. I am good on my promises. I have a land for you, a promised land, and it's in the land of Canaan. I am bringing you out of bondage into freedom. I'm bringing you out of slavery into the expansiveness of a profoundly beautiful relationship with me that you would be blessed to be a blessing to all nations. And so here they are two years in and God says, and I'm paraphrasing, that's the canyon 
that I want you to cross. From where you are today, physically, to where I want you to be, physically, there is a chasm. So therefore, I want you to send out, God says, 12 spies. I want you to know what you're getting into. You've got to plot it out. You've got to understand this canyon crossing that I'm calling you to. And so Moses, oh Moses, this great leader with all of his failings, with all of his strengths, does exactly what God says. And he sends out 12 spies into the land that God was calling them into. This is so key. This is so important. Because I believe that God is calling every single one of us to cross some canyons in our life. And what we do next makes all the difference in the world. So the 12, they've gone out, they come back, and here's the report that they give. This is Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 25. At the end of 40 days, 40 days, They returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the Israelites in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruits of the land. It was beautiful. It was abundant. It was all that God had described. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey And this is its fruit. Yet, the people who live in the land are strong and the towns are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. So important right here, when God calls us to cross canyons, we're going to quickly realize that there are obstacles in the way. There are giants that prevent us from getting across to the place that God longs for us to be, not just physically, but emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. And often these giants are giants in our own mind. And so they've come back. Moses hears this. Aaron hears this. Moses knows that this is the canyon that God has called us to cross. This is the chasm that we are called into. And yet there was fear among the people. But Caleb, listen to this. But Caleb quieted the people. He was one of the spies. He quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against his people for they are stronger than we. So they brought to the Israelites an unfavorable report of the land that they had spied out saying, the land that we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great size. There we saw the Nephilim, the Anakites come from the Nephilim and to ourselves we seemed like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. There is this mounting fear that causes those filled with fear not to hear, not to see the canyon that God was calling them to cross, but they heard and they saw the fear and the giants in their mind. And as a result, they were paralyzed and in their paralysis, they wanted to spread a false report that the land wasn't flowing with milk and honey, that it wasn't a good and prosperous, a fruit-filled land, but actually it was a land that devoured its people and the people there would utterly destroy them. In that moment, they were faced with a choice. Do we step out? Do we even show up to the start to cross the land that God calls us into? Or do we not even show up to the start in the first place? I believe that so many of us, when we read scripture, are presented with canyons to cross. Pray and love your enemies. What a canyon to cross. 
boy, a lot of reasons can pop up in our mind why we wouldn't pray for our enemies or even love our enemies. And so often we never even show up to the start in the first place. Scripture calls us to ask for forgiveness. What a canyon that is to even show up to start to cross in the first place. And so often our mind, uh, different reasons, giants, excuses, rationalization come up in our mind and we never show up to the start in the first place. Scripture calls us to forgive other people who wrong us. And long before we even show up to the start to pick up the phone, to send a text, to send an email, to whatever it might be, we we come up with all these reasons that flood our mind that are like giants, that we are like grasshoppers too. And it fills us with fear. And I wonder how many canyons that God wants us to cross that we've never showed up to in the first place. I want you just to pause for a moment. I want you to think, and maybe something comes to mind right now of something that you felt God has wanted you to do. Again, this isn't something that you want to do and you want God to bless you to do it. No, no, this is something that you feel a prompting from God, that when you spend time in God's word, when you spend time in prayer, that when, in a sense, you are quiet and away from the noise of the world, that you have this sense of God calling you to something or even away from something. Let me ask you, have you been willing to show up to the start of that? If not, you're in good company. We see in scripture people unwilling to show up to the start of things that God calls them to. In my own life and in my friends' lives and In many who I know in our church, there are things that we look back upon with regret and we say, ah, if I only would have followed that prompting from the Lord. Let's continue with this story. Listen to this. Chapter 14 of Numbers. We'd love for you to read Numbers 13 and and 14 later on. I'm just going to read some sections. In chapter 14, verse 1, it says this. After hearing the false report from those spies who were filled with fear, it says, then all the congregation, the whole of the nation of Israel, raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. How quickly things changed. God had just called them into the promised land. God had promised that God would deliver them into the promised land. They were right on the cusp of taking the first step. And all it took was a false report and fear for them to cause chaos to run throughout all of Israel. And they wept with sorrow. And all the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, listen to this, would that we had died in the land of Egypt Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to just fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will be taken captive. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? In that moment, not only do they say the canyon that God wants us to cross is the wrong canyon that will lead to our death, what do they do? They look the other direction and they say, no, that's the canyon that we need to cross. It's not into the promised land, it's back to Egypt. And how often do we do that in our own lives? Where we don't hear the canyon that God longs us to cross and we identify out of fear, out of the massive swell of a crowd perhaps, Maybe it's where the, the massive amount, the majority are going and we say, oh yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, th- that's, that's, the can- that's where we need to go. There's an important principle here that just because the majority say, this is what we need to do, this is where we need to go. If it's not where the Lord is leading, we need not take the first step to cross those canyons. 
And you hear me clearly, you know, there, there's, there's, there's movements, of course, in the world that say, you know, wherever the majority is going, go the opposite way. I have read plenty of books that say, you know, when some people zig, you got to zag. You know, if they go high, you got to go low. No, no, that's not what I'm talking. I'm not saying that whatever the majority says is wrong. What I'm saying is even if the majority, even if 100% of the people say, this is where we're going, if that's not where the Lord is leading, then we need to be very careful taking just one step in that direction. Why? Listen to what happened to them. In verse four, it says, so they said to one another, let us choose a captain and go back to Egypt. In that moment, they went from a question of which way should we go? Should we go to the promised land? No, it sounds like we'll get devoured there. They chose that. Or do we go back to Egypt? And so often in our hearts, we can wander between the two. And it's the moment that our hearts commit to taking the first step, that it sets us on a trajectory. And their trajectory, the wrong trajectory was in this. So they said to one another, let us choose a captain. No more wondering. No more choosing which way we should go. This is where we should go. Let's choose a captain to lead us there. Maybe some of you will read what happens next. The short story is that Moses falls flat on his face, humble before the Lord, asks the Lord for forgiveness. Asking God, don't destroy us for our sin, for our wicked ways, for not being obedient, for not crossing the canyons that you want us to, for choosing to go the wrong way. And so God responds. He then says this, the Lord speaks to Moses in Numbers 14, verse 20. Then the Lord said, I do forgive just as you have asked. Nevertheless, as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Here's the consequence for them choosing the wrong canyon to cross. Verse 23, none of the people who have seen my glory and the signs that I did in Egypt and in all the wilderness and yet have tested me these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice, none of them shall see the land that I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who despised me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, remember Caleb? The one with the favorable report, but my servant Caleb because he has a different spirit and has followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Now, since the Amalekites and the Canaanites live in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. Did you catch what just happened? God says, this is where I'm calling you to go. And if you go this way, if you show up to that start, I will deliver you. And the nation of Israel is disobedient and they identify another canyon, another place to go. And they say, let's take the first step that way. And so what does God do as a consequence? He says, okay, I'm a God that doesn't wind up a nation or wind up a group of people or wind up a person and set them off to go without free will like a robot, like a little machine, like a little toy. No, I... I honor people's ability to choose, but there's a consequence, God says. When you don't show up to the start of the canyons I'm calling you to, you'll never get to experience the blessing, the joy, the peace, the prosperity, the goodness, the transformation, all that could have been experienced. And so for them, he says, none of them, except for Caleb, will be able to experience it. So, this is remarkable. Did you catch this? God says, if you want to go back to Egypt, then go. Set out tomorrow. If that's the canyon you want to cross, then go. And what's remarkable as you read the rest of chapter 14 of the book of Numbers, as they go, the people in the promised land 
that God had already promised if they took the first step to go that way, that God would enable them to conquer that land, that they would have won that battle, they would have won that war, they would have overcome those attackers. But instead, since they went the other way, it seems like God steps back. And as you go through chapter 14, those people that God formally promised Israel would overrun now pursue them and overrun the nation of Israel and push them even farther back. They're even worse off than they were before. So many times I think in our life, we have no idea when we could have taken the first step towards doing something that God calls us to do as revealed in scripture or in a time of prayer that is consistent with scripture And as a result, there is some sort of decision we make to go a different direction. And God is not a God that that takes delight in this, but there is. And it is true that there there are consequences, there are ramifications for our actions. And yet, God is still faithful. God still provides. God still longs that we would turn back to God. Perhaps you've had in your own life regrets and you look back upon and you realize the consequences of what's happened. Maybe you find yourself in this moment in the beginning of a seven-week sermon series about, you know, the Grand Canyon and physical canyons and emotional canyons and you look back and you say, oh, I missed my chance. If you have breath in your lungs, if your heart is beating, You have not missed your chance. We have a God who is the God of second chances and third chances and thousandth chances and isn't a God who delights in us making the wrong decision and then living in those consequences. No, we have a God that continues to pursue us. And what was unique about them in principle and in the scope of scripture can be applied to us today because God did not abandon the nation of Israel. What was so remarkable about that journey, did you know, some of you, you might know this, it should have taken them 11 days to go from Egypt into the promised land. 11 days. Instead, because of their Their disobedience, their spiritual journey took 40 years. And therefore, the physical journey took 40 years as well. And if you do the math, and many scholars have done this, when they begin to realize, wait a second, wait wait, wait a second, oh, this, that numbers 13 and 14 was two years in to what would eventually become a 40-year journey. And so after that moment where they were so close, they were on the precipice, the next day they could have set out towards the promised land. They were set back spiritually and physically. And now that journey, which should have just taken a little bit of time, then took 38 years. I'm not saying you have to wait 38 years. But what I'm saying is they had a long time to reflect on what had just happened. They had a long time to reflect on what are we doing with our lives? Maybe in a very, very different way, but maybe in a corollary way, you in the last year, perhaps. Things have changed, things have adjusted, things have shifted. It's been a very different year, but perhaps there's been a moment in the last year, maybe you're in it right now, where you are in a similar way wondering, what am I doing with my life? And I need you to know that there are canyons that God longs for you to cross. And I believe that today, in this moment, God wants to communicate to you that you don't have to wait any longer to take the first step towards identifying the canyons that God wants you to cross, but also taking the first step to show up to the start. In fact, if you go fast forwarding through scripture, 38 years, you get to a moment in scripture that I believe represents today for us. 
If you would, if you have your Bibles, would you turn forward through Numbers, through Deuteronomy to the book of Joshua. Again, this is 40 years have gone by, 38 years since that moment where they chose the wrong way. And it says this in Joshua chapter one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua. Hear the parallels between this moment and the moment 38 years ago in Numbers 13. The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He was there 38 years ago. As a young man, we think in his 30s or 40s, he was an assistant to Moses. He experienced all of that. I believe that perhaps he was one of the people that wanted to go the wrong way back to Egypt. And here God is a God of second chances. And God says to Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan. The canyon had been reintroduced again. The crossing that God had called them into 38 years ago had been brought back as a possibility again. God is saying to Joshua, I want you to do what the nation of Israel couldn't do 38 years ago. He goes on and he says this, now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all of the people into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. In fact, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I, the Lord, will not fail you. I, the Lord, will not forsake you. So therefore be strong and courageous. For you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How remarkable, 38 years later, history is repeating itself. God says the same thing and he goes even into more detail. He says, that's where I'm calling you. And if you step out, if you step out and show up to the start to go the direction that I want you to go, I will be with you. I will protect you. I will equip you. I will resource you. I will provide. I will make a way. So therefore, he says three different times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And did you catch that in the midst of it? He says, and as you go, walk in my ways. Live a life that is in accordance with my heart, God says. And I believe that that moment for them is the moment that we have before us today that every single one of us individually has some sort of canyon. It doesn't have to be a physical canyon, but it's a canyon nevertheless. That God longs for us to become aware of to cross. It could be finally forgiving someone. It could be to finally share our faith with someone for the first time. It could be stepping out to reconcile a relationship. It could be a stepping out for the first time to 
to give of your time, your talents, and your treasure to a local community of faith. It could be a million things, but it's got to be God's thing. And we'll never hear from God if we don't open up God's word, if we don't spend time in prayer to God, if we don't spend time in Christ-centered community to help us understand what is God's heart as revealed in Scripture. But there are canyons before us and those canyons that God longs for us to step into, to go to, to show up to the start for him to, to deliver us through. We have an opportunity to do what Joshua did. 38 years after the nation of Israel did what we often can do. Well, what does Joshua do? Absolutely remarkable. In verse 10, it says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For in three days, you are to cross the river Jordan, to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God gives you to possess. He made a decision in that moment and he took the first step. By telling the leaders, go tell all the people in three days, we are going that way. That's the canyon that we're going to cross. And perhaps you might want to read more of Joshua in echoes of Numbers 13 and Numbers 14, 38 years prior. Joshua sends out spies, not 12 of them. He sends out two of them. Some remarkable things happen. God uses a remarkable woman by the name of Rahab, who was a prostitute, to be used by God to help deliver them from a potential uh, onslaught of invaders. But it gets to this amazing moment where they come back. They give a favorable report. And I want to read for you a remarkable section of scripture. After 38 years of choosing the wrong canyons, after 38 years of wondering where to go and what are we doing with our lives, God gives them a chance to step out in faith, to be strong and courageous, and they do. And this is what happens. Joshua, chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua rose and set out from Shittim with all the Israelites, and they came to the Jordan. They camped there before crossing over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place. Follow it so that you may know the way you should go. For you have not passed this way before. Yet there shall be a space between you and the Ark of the Covenant, a distance of about 2,000 cubits. Do not come any nearer to it. As an aside, the Ark of the Covenant was the physical place where the presence of God dwelled, along with the Ten Commandments, along with the remains of Moses. There is this physical representation that it is God who is leading them to cross this canyon. And they're supposed to follow God's leading. It goes on. Verse 9, then Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. To the priests, Joshua said, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on in the front of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went in front of the people. The Lord said to Joshua, this day, this, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel so that they may know that I will be with you as I was with Moses. You are the one who shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Joshua then said to the Israelites, draw near and hear the words of the Lord, your God. Joshua said, by this, listen to this, by this, you shall know that among you is the living God who without fail will drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, 
the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. In other words, God's going to take the first step as we show up to the start. So now select 12 men from the 12 tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand in a single heap. So when the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the ark of the covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan at this time overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water, they showed up to the start. They took the first step, a step of faith into rushing water not in its lowest flow, in its highest flow. You've seen rivers. You know how dangerous they are. You know how people can be swept away to their death. What was going through their mind? Whatever it was that went through their mind, they chose to step out in obedience into the water. And listen to what happened. In that moment, the waters from, that were flowing from above stood still rising up in a single heap far off at a town at a place called Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon, while those flowing towards the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. Then the people crossed over opposite Jericho, while all Israel were crossing over on dry ground. The priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. They showed up to the start. They showed up to the start of the canyon that God called them to cross. The physical form of that canyon was a river, the Jordan River. And it represented a barrier between where they had been and where God called them to be. And what's so remarkable is that they were willing to step out in obedience and faith strong and courageous, trusting God, knowing, okay, God, if this is the canyon that you're calling us to, you're gonna make a way, you're gonna provide a way. And they did it and God did miraculous things. And it sounds a lot like what happened 40 years prior when another canyon crossing in the form of the Red Sea was crossed. A remarkable journey of a wilderness period of four years bookended by miraculous crossings. They crossed out of slavery in Egypt into the wilderness and they crossed over the Red Sea in such a miraculous way that it was absolutely clear that it was God who called them not only to cross it, but provided the way. And then on the back end of those 40 years in the wilderness, it was the Jordan River. And in the same miraculous way, they had to step out of the wilderness of wandering, of the spiritual wilderness of disobedience into the promised land, into a deeper, profound relationship with God where they could be a blessing to bless all peoples. And they had to step out in faith because it was God who called them to that crossing and enabled them to have the way. What I'm not saying is that every time you step into a river, it's gonna stop. But here's what I am saying. It's absolutely clear throughout all of scripture and in my own life that when we take the first step of showing up to the things that God longs us to accomplish. Remarkable things happen. I can look back on my own life and I think about the fear, I think about the trepidation of showing up to say yes to the call of being the senior pastor of Bel Air Church. There were so many reasons. 
that came through my mind that prevented me from even showing up to the start to just say, yes. I got to tell you, remarkable things I've experienced in my own life that God has done in the midst of my own life as a result of me, just me in my own life, saying yes to that canyon. I can go back even further to April 8th, 2000. And I look back on that moment and I felt like God was calling me into a relationship with God's self. There was a canyon that I needed to cross from me being the Lord of my life, the Savior of my life, to taking that first step of faith, acknowledging Jesus as both Lord and Savior. And leading up to that, there was reasons that I didn't want to lose control or lose up what I thought would be the best plans for my life. And so eventually on April 8th, 2000, I made that decision. I took that first step. I showed up to a relationship with Jesus. And I look back on the last 21 years, remarkable things have happened. Within that time, I can share story after story after story of times where I've, I've made a decision to do what God has called me to do in Scripture and I'm filled with fear. I'm filled with trepidation. I've got all the reasons in the world not to show up. And I, and I choose in obedience to do so. And God does remarkable things. So friends, as we step into this season, as we enter this Crossing Canyons journey, would you join a Crossing Canyons group where you can talk more about this with other people? Would you choose in the season, not just to have it be something that you kind of passively watch and then go on to the next thing, but you would, you would immerse yourself. You would step into this because I believe that God has canyons in your life that he's longing for you to cross. We've got a journey ahead of us, friends. We want to walk that journey with you. But most of all, we need a God who will lead us along the way. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you call us to different things in our life, things that are beyond our comprehension, things that even giants can appear in our mind that prevent us from even showing up to start. So would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, identify in each of our lives the things that you were calling us to step out in, the things that you want us to show up to start, the things that are revealed in Scripture, God, that are your heart. The canyons between us and who you long for us to be, the canyons between us and our loved ones, the canyons between us and those people, whatever it might be, God, would you identify what canyons they are and give us the boldness, give us the strength, give us the faith to show up to the start. And as we take that first step, we wait in expectancy to see what you'll do. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray and we say together, Amen.